In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In each of the two penitential seasons of Advent and also in Lent, right around the halfway point of the journey through each of those seasons, our Lord knows precisely what we need at all times. He's going to put something in the liturgical calendar to assist us based on where we are, where we're going, and what we need right at this moment. And we need a day to come up for air a little bit. We've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been making our journey towards the cross, and our Lord desires to lighten our load, strengthen us, and give us grace for the rest of this journey. So he gives us two liturgies in each of those penitential seasons, and each one of them has the same name. The name of the liturgy is rejoice. The Lord is calling us to rejoice in him, to remember all of the good things that he has done, all the good things that he is, all the good things that he will do in our lives and for us, and to be re-energized with the spirit of thanksgiving as we offer our praise to God. And in these two liturgical masses, the instructions for the day are given to us by his wisdom to lift our hearts. We have the return of the organ to lift our hearts today. We haven't heard it at all during Lent. And we hear it again to lift our spirits in thanksgiving and worship. The liturgical colors today go from the deeper violet of Lent to the light rose color, even giving us a visual. Let's lighten. Well, it really the Lord's saying, lighten up. No, it's lighten up. Let your hearts be lifted. I say that halfway joking, but we are given this day to remember that the Christian, even in the midst of the penitential season, the Christian is to be a cheerful human being in Christ because of all that he is in us and all that he does for us. Even in the Mass, we hear words of rejoicing from the intro week at the beginning of Mass at the choir song, Rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad in her. I was glad when they said unto me, We will go into the house of the Lord. And you'll hear the choir chant the offertory shortly. Oh, praise the Lord, for the Lord is gracious. Oh, sing praises unto his name, for it is lovely. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have fasted, prayed, and almsgiving to perfection? How many of you done it to perfection? Oh, thank God, I don't have to come down on you for pride. <laughs> of course, we haven't. And one of the things that this day reminds us is a very real truth that where we have failed in the fast, where we have failed to increase our fellowship with Christ our God, where we have failed to recognize the needs of the needy, much less do something of ourselves from what God has blessed us with to ease their suffering. In the ways that we have failed, we're reminded today that we are to let those failures live and exist only precisely when they occurred in the past. Not today. Today is a day to be refilled, reminded of the grace that God has given us, that God is journeying with us, so close to us. And we have been given that blessed second chance in the rest of Lent to be able to come back to Him in this way so that we experience Him the way Christ wants us to experience Him to the healing of our souls and the manifestation of His kingdom through us for the rest of the journey through the cross in Lent. 
That's what today is all about. And all this week, I started off really thinking, knowing this Mass was coming, asking myself the question, what is it that causes the heart of the Christian to rejoice? And you know, I came up with many, many things just in my own life. It was a blessing to go through that discipline. There's so many things we could talk about today, all that he has done, numerous things, too numerous to even discuss together in full. But there is one thing that I came across about midweek that I don't think we consider very often would be the very thing that would cause the heart of the Christian to rejoice. And when I asked myself that question and discovered this answer, when I tell you the answer, it might sound a little bit strange and a little bit foreign to you, not necessarily making the connection between the answer and how it leads to rejoice, but the answer is this, what will lead every soul of every Christian to rejoice in the Lord? It's this, very simply, being a disciple of Him. Being a follower of the living Christ every day of our lives will lead the heart of the Christian to great rejoicing. It's one of the greatest sources of the font of praise and joy and rejoicing is following our Lord Jesus Christ in this life. And today I'm going to give you some examples so you help put together how that leads to rejoicing. We're going to look at our gospel reading today from St. John and one other gospel reading as well to see, looking at the life of the disciples, how their following Christ as disciples led them to rejoicing and joy. Today in the gospel of St. John chapter 6, we have the feeding of the 5,000. And this particular testimony of Christ feeding this multitude is mentioned in each one of the gospels. So when I tell the story, I'm going to draw little parts from, from each piece so we see the whole of what's been revealed to us. But the story is this, the testimony is this, Jesus had been teaching for days upon days this huge multitude, we're told 5,000 men plus women and children. And he'd been teaching them for days in a place that wasn't really close to a McDonald's, so to speak. You couldn't go and get a little bite to eat along the way. They were out away from things. And they had become very hungry and thirsty, the people, and the disciples recognized it. And so they bring this to Jesus' attention. They say, Lord, it's late. Send them away so they can get something to eat. But our Lord Jesus Christ is not desiring that they leave him because he intends to continue ministering to them. And so he says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. What do you have? And they responded, we only have five loaves and two fish. That's all we see here. And Jesus then tells them to do something. He asks them. He gives them a command. Give me what you have. Give me what you have. And so they took the five loaves and two fish, the little that it was. Jesus receives it. And Jesus broke that bread. And looking into heaven, he blessed the very little that they offered him. And he began to break the bread and put the bread and fish into these 12 baskets. And then he sent them, go and feed the people. And so they take those 12 baskets and they feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And they come back and those same baskets are still as full as they were when they first began. You need to see this. I think sometimes we hear these testimonies and don't consider real humanity in the midst of it. The disciples in their mind, they had been faced with an impossible situation. 
that they could not take care of. And they bring the concern to the one who they have been following. Surely he will have an answer. And Jesus does something so very interesting because we know this. Jesus could have right then and there done whatever he wanted to feed those 5,000 plus the women and the children. But he didn't just do it. He invites his disciples to join him in the miracle. To join with him in overcoming the impossible and glorifying God, his father, along with them. And we know this when he asked them, what do you have? Offer that to me. And what little they had would never be able to satisfy the need. And they knew that full well. But Jesus commanded and asked them to offer what they had and only what they had. And they showed themselves to be true disciples. How? By the most simple thing. They did what he said. They followed his instruction. They gave all but the little that they have. And he took that obedient offering and joined it to himself and he blessed it. And watch what happens next. They take their very small offering, now blessed by the bread of life himself, Jesus Christ, and they begin to bring it to the people and picture how this had to have gone down. Here they have these baskets full. And they're going by the 25s and 50s and hands are reaching in to grab the bread and the fish. And as they keep going, what's going on? The, it's nothing is going down. What do you think's going on in the life and the heart and the minds of the disciples? Amazement. Absolute joy at what Jesus was doing for the people. And that they had the privilege to be assisting him in that. God was being glorified. Their hearts were being uplifted. And their faith was being grown simply by this. By doing what he said. By the way, my friends, don't let Satan tell you any different. Being a disciple and loving Jesus Christ is very simple. Follow him and do what he says. Did Jesus not say, he, he who he obeys me, that's the one that loves me. See, do you see how Christ is at work even in the disciples and how joy would be building up in them and what was going on all around them. And then when they were done, they returned to Jesus and all the baskets are still just as full as when they started. You don't think they were rejoicing while they were working with Christ? You don't think that when they left that moment and went on to their beds that night, they weren't filled with a heart of praise and thanksgiving and overjoyed at what God had just done? We see the same thing, different testimony. In the, in the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the 70. Now all of these disciples, remember this is the 70, not 12. This is 70 that he sends out, the disciples. All of these disciples had been with our Lord for a, now, for a while now, hearing his teaching and they've been witnessing his miracles. But then Jesus asked them to do something, something that he had never asked them to do until this very moment. He tells them, I am sending you as sheep among the wolves. Go two by two into the nearby villages that I'm soon going to go and visit. Take nothing with you. Nothing. Go there. Heal the sick who are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Can you imagine how that's registering in the mind of these human apostles? I know exactly how it would have been with me even standing here today. Wait a minute, Jesus. 
You want us to do what? Do what you have been doing? But Lord, we're not you. We're sinful. We're frail. We're weak. This is why we're with you. And you want us to do these things. We can't possibly do this. And by the way, apart from Jesus Christ, the impossible is definitely the case. But you see, no doubt the disciples, they had faith at this point, but it wasn't perfect. They still had to struggle from their belief to a greater faith because of the unbelief that was still in them. Just like we do, and that gives me great comfort. But... Despite their weaknesses and unbelief, despite any doubt that may have been in them, they did what a true disciple does. One who follows another and submits their will to another. They did what their Lord asked them to do. And they went. And they went nothing but his command and the directions of Christ. You see, just like feeding the multitude, our Lord Jesus Christ, once again, he is inviting his disciples to be a part of the manifestation of the kingdom of God in the world that would not only bring joy to the world, but joy and faith to their own souls. And we see the results of their own obedient offering of themselves when they return. Verse 17, they are rejoicing. Listen to their words. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons subject to us in your name. Again, get back to how this must have played out. They go into the villages. And I bet you the first time they came across someone who was sick or unclean or demon possessed. They knew what Jesus told them to do. But I guarantee you there was some sense of a little bit of uncertainty. What's going to happen when I approach this? They would have been just like us. But they obeyed. They obeyed. And what faith it must have taken to step out for the healing of someone and to cast out a demon from the demon possessed. But imagine this, the joy that would fill them. When they would approach that, do what Jesus said, and someone would be healed. And the demon possessed would be freed and the demon would have to flee away by the ministry of Christ through them. They were filled with joyful rejoicing at what Christ had done through them. And despite their weaknesses and frailties, that he loved them enough to invite them and join them to his very ministry in the earth. And the rejoicing came directly as a result of the central truth that Christ is trying to place into us today. Their joy came from being a disciple, doing what Jesus said. Pushing through their doubts, pushing through their weakness, pushing through the distractions of an enemy that didn't want any of this to take place. They set themselves to do one thing, whatever Jesus said to do. And that's why their hearts, by cooperation with Christ and all that he would do in and through them, they were filled with rejoicing. The last thing Satan wants, think about. The last thing that Satan wants is every soul that Christ has baptized to grow up to live to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, offering their lives as a response of love to him that his will would be done through that soul. Satan doesn't want that. That is why he fills us with all these distractions, these belittling 
these belittling whispers that go on our ear. Look at who you are. Christ can't do anything in and through you. All of these things and the distractions of this world he puts before us. Today is a day we want our souls to rejoice. We're talking about a reset here in the middle of Lent by grace and mercy. Today is a day to let our souls be reset to live as disciples, even just now, even for this rest, the rest of our journey in Lent. We're speaking today about Christ inviting us to join him into his ministry of salvation for the world. But here's the reality. Every command that the shepherd gives the sheep, every last one of them, all of the do this and all of the don't do these things, every one of them, if we will be a disciple, say yes and do whatever he says, will lead the soul to joy and rejoicing and great freedom. And it will lead to the manifestation of the kingdom of God in us, around us, for all to witness. So right now in Lent, and just let's put this into practice, even the next few weeks, our Lord Jesus Christ has given us commands. He's asked us to do some things. He's asked us to increase our prayer along with fasting, that he might do a holy work in us and a great strengthening and healing in our souls. He's asked us to be attentive to the needy around us to give, because when we see through Christ's eyes the needy, and when we give what belongs to him, we enter into the joy of his ministry of provision to others, and joy will fill your hearts. We need to step that up and be disciples in these last two weeks, and all along the way to the cross and to the resurrection, we'll be more and more filled with joy. How much more when the resurrection comes and we experience together, how much more will we be rejoicing because we have lived as disciples even in these next few weeks. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.